Brooklyn's Radio Health Talk, looking at health and social care with Fatima Kamara. Hello, thank you for tuning into Brooklyn's Radio. My name is Fatima Kamara, your health and social care expert and health talk show host. Today we're going to be talking about managing mental health over the festive period, how to manage mental health over the festive period. Um, in order to follow us on social media, to, social media handle is at Brooklyn's Radio on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now, for a bit of health news, Britain is the most obese nation in Western Europe with rates rising faster than any other developed nation. Obesity rates have doubled over the past two decades and 63% of UK adults are overweight, according to the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD. Britain is now sixth heaviest considerably worse than the rest of the 35 member club of wealthy nations in the world. The OECD lists the UK as one of the five countries suffering from historically high rates of obesity since the 1990s, increasing by 92% compared to 65% in the United States. Get in touch with your health and social care questions. Email healthtalk at brooklandsradio.co.uk. Hello, thank you for tuning in to Brooklyn's Radio. My name is Fatima Kamara, your health and social care expert, but also your health talk show host. Today, we're going to be talking about managing your mental health during the festive period. As we all can imagine, the festive period is meant to be a time for getting together, enjoying each other's company, exchanging presents and having a good time. Unfortunately, this time of year can also be the most stressful for all manner of reasons. So today to join me to talk about how we can manage those sort of emotions, feelings, mental health conditions or anxiety, I have got with me Nina Onosu, the patient therapist from East Community Services for NHS Sorry and Borders Trust. Nina, thank you so much for coming in to speak to me today. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Now, Nina is an occupational therapist for Sorry and Borders. Um, how would you say, in your view, this is a cause for concern, especially during the festive period? What would you say you can actually see or realize, um, especially during the festive period, with regards to people's anxiety levels, managing the mental health as well? Um, I think what you've said in your introduction is really right, that around this time of period there's an awful lot of pressure on um, all of us in the world to feel more excited, to feel joy and to feel a sense of connection with the people around us. But for an awful lot of us that isn't the case, that isn't the situation we find ourselves in. Um, And also I'm aware that Christmas now seems to last for months and months at a time. It's not just a few days, it's um, a whole period. the decorations are already out here so I think I'm really conscious that it's an exhausting time for people it's often a time of extreme loneliness and people feeling very separate from their their loved ones or family and friends Um, and we do find that people feel particularly aware of their isolation around this time of year and um, and I always encourage people to try to to reach out to make links with their community there's an awful lot being run by local churches and charities where you can go to get involved in but also not to feel under pressure to do that if your way of coping with your low mood or your anxiety is to be alone and to have time with yourself then that's important to do too um 
and I would encourage people to see the Christmas period as a time where they can have um, self-compassion, um, look after themselves, do things that make themselves happy. Um, it doesn't need to be immersing themselves in the Christmas festivities, but perhaps that would be good to take in too. Okay, thank you so much. And I think that's very true because actually sometimes we actually think that, um, you know, there's a sense of feeling that Christmas time, you know, you have to be out there, you have to be with family, you have to be with your friends, um, and it's a time of giving. It's supposed to be a wonderful time of the year, but we have to also realize not, well, not for everyone. Not everyone goes through um, Christmas and looking forward to actually mm. celebrating, you know, over the festive period, mm. but also what that means for people who, uh, for example, have had any sort of mental health condition as well, whether it's anxiety, depression, whether it's a major depressive incident or, or, or situation that coming to, towards the sort of festive period can trigger that sort of emotional being where you think, oh gosh, I'm, I'm not looking forward to this. Mm. How would you sort of advise someone, if someone was listening to us and they actually have some sort of mental health condition or think that, you know, during the year they're fine, they can manage, can have their moments, but they can actually relatively manage and they haven't probably, whether, they've actually, whether they're actually known to sort of mental health services or not, but they can actually manage their sort of mental health state. So coming up to Christmas time and people are trying to think, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do and how would I manage with, with things like this? How, what would you advise someone along those lines, thinking that I might have a flare-up over the festive period? What would you advise them to do? I think I would initially commend them on the fact that they recognize that this is a pattern and that they can anticipate they might face some difficulties and encourage them to use that insight to start planning for the festive period. There's often a lot of expectation for families to come together but that can also come with an awful lot of stress. So plan how much time you went to spend with family plan ways that you're going to get out of that christmas dinner if it's dragging on for hours and hours manage things like the expectation to go down to the pub with friends and have a few drinks and consider the influence that that would have on you if you want to celebrate with alcohol we all know that it's a, an inviting prospect but actually the downsides are, are, are much more powerful also think about managing expectations of the people around you if you're likely to get various invitations if you feel under pressure to buy lots of presents perhaps start talking to people now that you don't you can't afford lots of presents people with mental health difficulties are often not in employment money is particularly tight mm -hmm. um, so the people that I work with talk about doing secret Santa in their families or making presents if you're creative um, so that you're already setting the expectations and that stress isn't there mm -hmm. um, Part of preparing can also be familiarising yourself with the um, services and support that's available in your area over the Christmas period. Um, your GP would be a good place to start with that. Um, lots of areas have these community hubs now that mm -hmm. will um, advise you where you can go for support over the Christmas period. The um, crisis services that we have within the within Surrey and Borders, we have our crisis line and we also have our safe havens. Um, they will be running over Christmas through out-of-hours uh, through the bank holidays and evenings and weekends for people to call up and to talk. And we also have a texting service as well. Okay, thank you so much. That was really quite useful because actually, you know, during the festive period, sometimes there's a notion that people think that, you know, sort of services stop and mm. they're closed. Um, where would I go? I'm on my own. I've been left, you know, um, how am I going to manage? So it's really quite useful and encouraging as well to know that, you know, not because it's over the festive period and then, you know, naturally some services do close some 
organizations are not working over the festive period but just to realize that you know our mental health or health per se doesn't stop because it's a festive mm-hmm. period so we really still need to find out what's available and how can we be able to look after ourselves really mm-hmm. over that festive period that sort of challenging times nina you also mentioned about being creative managing finances because obviously people with mental health conditions or as a whole people um, over the festive period people tend to want to get gift to buy things and feel pressured that if I can't give a gift if I can't be a part of going out to the pub or being part of something that's actually socially inclined then they feel that sort of nudge that you know they're not they're not being their best. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So in terms of had, hardship and money and also mental health, uh, I think you made a very key point that you said, you know, just be creative. If you can't afford, I think there's also the notion about being careful of how much you spend and how much mm. you have as well. Mm. So you don't feel, someone doesn't feel pressured that they have to, to do certain things they don't want to. Mm-hmm. And that in itself kind of push their mental health state in terms of anxiety and feeling quite depressed or even just kind of getting into a fluster about things. Mm-hmm. I think that's really quite good to kind of just press, um, stress on that as well. And the services that you offer and the support to know that locally there's still quite a lot that's happening over the festive period is also quite encouraging as well. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would like to, to talk to you about actually, is to mention about mental health. I always kind of um, think that whether we work in the sector, health and social care sector, or we work in the NHS per se, or sort of health service, there's certain terminology that we tend to use, which, yes, people hear about all the time, but they're not really sure what does this mean. People mm-hmm. are talking about the festive period and we talk about anxiety and depression. And sometimes people can actually easily say, well, actually, this doesn't apply to me, mental health, because in itself, mental health, you hear about, you know, on the news and the radio, it kind of conjures sometimes some sort of negative thing, which is not because we all have our mental health state. Mm-hmm. So in your view, how would you describe a mental health, someone's mental health? What would you say is mental health? Uh, as you said, that is a huge topic and very difficult to pin down in simple terms um, because it's such a broad spectrum. And I've been thinking about how best to kind of capture this. And for me, um, I would I would agree with you that we are all somewhere on the spectrum of mental health mm-hmm. all the time and we will mm-hmm. move about within yes. that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, it will depend on the situations that we're going through. Christmas, mm-hmm. for example, as we've been talking about, will be a trigger for people to struggle more with their mental health in some situations. Um, so mental health covers everything from mm-hmm. stress and depression and anxiety to conditions like schizophrenia, personality disorder or difficulties with eating. And challenges to our mental health or with our mental health, unfortunately, are a part of everyday life. And I think that brings with it a risk of it being underestimated as well. Because it's become a part, sort of accepted in some circumstances, it can be easy to kind of diminish. Nowadays, we talk about people having OCD very comfortably. Oh, I've got a touch of OCD because I have to check my car's lock. That's that's not what we mean and so it can be misunderstood um and also like you said stigma is still rife around Mm -hmm. mental health and it still um, conjures up difficult images for people Mm -hmm. and difficult stereotypes so we can also talk about emotional health or well-being which might be more softer acceptable terms than Mm -hmm. mental health Thank you so much for that. 
emotional health mm-hmm. and emotional well-being. And that is, I think that is so potent and that so people can easily relate to that as well. Mm-hmm. Because as much as we've said, we've discussed about mental health, we all do have mental health. So as long as we're human, we're going to have mental health. Mm-hmm. And that would go through peaks and troughs, as I said. Mm. But it's actually using the right words and also maybe trying to explain it to someone to say, actually, it's not a bad thing. We all do have it. Mm. But yours might be different from mine at any particular time or mine might be difficult, different from yours at any particular time. So that is that is really, really important that we stress on that. Mm-hmm. But also that realizing that there's still quite a bit of stigma still attached to mental health or emotional well-being, as we want to call it. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Is there any sort of particular mental health conditions that are more prevalent during the festive period that you can actually say during the festive period, we realize that we have quite a lot of calls from people having this sort of mental health condition or is it just a period where people maybe have potentially have a sort of an exacerbation of their mental health state? I would say um, it's nearer the latter that if somebody has got difficulties with their mental health then Christmas may be a period that exacerbates that. Um, I'm not able to say if we have a particular peak Mm -hmm. in um, any particular diagnosis. I mean, we know that across the K, across the UK, mixed anxiety and depression is the most common mental health problem, uh, with 7.8% of people meeting the criteria, criteria for that. Mm-hmm. And depression on its own follows up very quickly behind that. They are the two most common diagnoses that we're seeing, and that would probably come through in the, in the Christmas period as well. But despite the fact that these diagnoses are considered the most common, I, I still think they're some of the most misunderstood. Lots of the people that I work with still tell me well-meaning family members expecting them to be able to pull themselves together, snap out of it. Um, And of course, that's well meant. But unfortunately, it's not as simple as that. Thank you so much. I think that's really um, true, because I think from what we've discussed anyhow, that um, mental health, because it's not clearly visible in itself, in its entirety, that in itself makes it sort of very difficult, but also a potentially grey area in in terms of trying to diagnose, in terms of getting the, talking about signs and symptoms and things Mm. like that. And also clearly, as you mentioned, why it is misunderstood. Mm. Why do you think that sort of misunderstanding creeps in, in terms of mental health or emotional well-being? Um, I think... Previously, it's because a lot of the attention that has been in the media, um, in social media, has been more negative. It's usually the extreme situations that come to our attention. Mm -hmm. Um, Thankfully, the work of people like the Royals and um, Freddie Flintoff, Mm -hmm. uh, Stephen Fry, is bringing um, mental health much more into the kind of public domain for really positive reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And we need that work to continue. And I think it is good that we've got so many charities now that are pushing it forward. Heads Together um, is one of the main ones. Um, So I'm I'm optimistic that it will change and we will see an improvement in that. But I think it is the sort of legacy of days gone by that is still kind of hanging over us a little bit. Okay, thank you so much for that. Thank you. Now, um, in terms of the, the sort of age bracket with mental health 
Yeah. Um, in terms of an age bracket, what are you finding? Is it a particular age bracket or do you find that maybe younger sort of population have a certain particular mental health condition that they actually present with or the older, um, um, older over 50s or nearly, you know, over 60s do present with, you know, certain uh, mental health conditions, but also loneliness as well. You know, Christmas can be a very exciting time. It can be, you know, it conjures images of love and joyful. Um, shop front and TV screens with magazines, you know, family um, sort of meetups and, and, and partying and, you know, um, giving off gift and sort of that celebratory mood. But then there's quite a lot of people living alone mm. and how that can transpire to them. So in terms of what you, you, you would tell, you'd be able to kind of shed a bit more light on in terms of age bracket. Is there a particular age bracket or you just find that mental health um, in its entirety affects everyone at different sort of times or in their age? Um, it's difficult because we do know that certain diagnoses are more likely at certain points in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we've said earlier, mental health is such an all-encompassing term that it, it wouldn't be right to try and pigeonhole that into certain ages. Mm-hmm. Um, we are seeing an increasing number of um, people living alone. Loneliness is becoming one of um, um, is becoming a major concern. Studies have shown that it's actually been a contributor to premature death. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, the ageing population means we're seeing an increase in the demand on uh, services for older people, dementia and such like. Um, the other factor that plays into this is accessibility of mental health services. Nowadays, we have much more online mental health um, interventions and therapy. Um, we have text message services, which make it much more accessible for the younger population to do it privately, um, discreetly. It doesn't need to be something that everybody knows about at school or college or in the workplace, mm-hmm. um, which I hope means that people feel more able to get in touch. Um, and we also deliver interventions now through Skype um, and um, you know, video calling. So that, again, makes it more accessible to people. But that doesn't mean we're moving away from the face-to-face contact that would be much more suited to perhaps older people that aren't au fait with snazzy phones. Okay. That, um, I think that is really encouraging. That is really quite encouraging because actually traditionally, as far as I can remember, mental health access, accessibility has always been an issue mm. in terms of even coming forward for someone to come forward and say, I need help with this. It's a huge step, mm. but also trying to get the help at the right time in the right place and, and making it, making sure that from their perspective or their view, it's, it is quite discreet. Mm. And they're not being labelled as well. So I think kind of keeping the traditional aspect of it, having the face-to-face mm. for people who choose to, and also kind of looking at from the younger population's perspective, being very innovative with Skype, with text messages mm. and things like that, and trying to normalise it, I think that is quite a good way to go because mm. obviously then you get a lot more people wanting to talk about it or even access services as mm. well while keeping it sort of discreet and manageable for them as well. So that's, that's, I think that's a, a certainly a good idea. The, you mentioned about loneliness. Loneliness, I think sometimes we kind of think of loneliness sort of in the sort of older population. But there was a huge study that was done, I think, 
I think 18 months or a couple of years ago, quite recently actually, that they've now identified that there's loneliness even with people over 25 in their mid-30s who are living alone and they do have full-time jobs. They're very quite social and and go out and do things. But when they come home, they're living alone and they're really finding it very difficult to manage and things like that. Mm. So I think in terms of the service that you offer, in terms of innovation, text messages, I think that's really quite good that they're able Mm. to access that as well and knowing that, yes, I, I might be lonely, but that doesn't mean I can't access service if it comes to addressing my mental health needs. Mm. We're also really trying to bring those people together within, it's one of the aims of the organisation at the moment is to link people together, bring communities together mm. to try and help ease some of that sense of isolation. Okay, thank you so much for that. Thank you very much. Uh, my next question, it would be really, can't just come in and we talk so much about managing mental health, especially over the festive period, and not talk about NHS Sorian Borders, and especially as a trust, the amazing work that you're doing and your services as well that you offer and how people can access those services, especially over the festive period and beyond. Mm-hmm. So I would like to ask you just to to give us a sort of an overview in terms of the services that you offer as a Mm -hmm. trust and where people can get support and advice and also sort of signpost us to maybe phone numbers website and things like that the best place to start would be our website Mm -hmm. which is www.sabp.nhs.uk and that is the sort of starting point to, to look at the services we offer And we do have a broad range of services. Some are accessed by self-referral, some you do need to go through your GP. I want to focus on our um, crisis support because that would be probably of high uh, need over the Christmas period. Um, We have our crisis line, which is 0300 456 8342. And that also operates an SMS text support. And that phone number is 07717 989024. And they operate between 5 um, and 9, Monday to Friday, and 24 hours at weekends and bank holidays. Sorry, 5 p.m. overnight till 9 a.m. on Monday to Friday. Um, and we have our Safe Havens, which is a fairly recent innovation for Surrey and Borders. Um, they are based in Aldershot, Epsom, Guildford, Redhill and Woking. And they're open to anyone with difficulties or concerns or concerns about somebody else. And they can be accessed evenings and weekends. There's a trained member of staff there and there are volunteers as well. And that's an excellent place for company support, help, signposting. So I would really encourage over the Christmas period people to look out for those. Speaking across the whole trust as well, we have our recovery college, which is another um, new initiative that is run between members of staff and people um, who are experts by experience whether they're carers or have experienced their own mental health problems and we're delivering courses to anyone um, of 18 or above over Surrey and North East Hampshire for people that want to learn more about well-being mental health physical health Um, you don't need to have a diagnosis you don't need to be under the care of a team you might be a carer you might just be an interested person I've sent uh, members of staff on courses to better educate themselves and they are being held across the trust and the information can be accessed of course through the website as well we also have our early intervention service we really want to promote early intervention and working on prevention so early intervention is um, a team specifically for people um, experiencing the first signs of psychosis and we have mind matters which is a talking therapy for people um, really broad range of diagnoses or concerns around anxiety dress um, stress worry panic attacks and that's talking therapy over the phone and in person
Thank you so much. Thank and you. That wasn't exhaustive. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think it's really quite useful that people get the full depth and breadth of what you over, offer, especially over the festive period. But also after the festive period, if mm. they wanted to access that sort of mental health services in Surrey, they know where to access and who to speak to yeah. and the phone numbers as well. So in closing, I would want to ask you, Nina, one piece of advice you would give someone who might feel under the weather mentally or who can ad- identify with what we've been talking about, what would that one piece of advice be? Start talking about it, whether it's to concerned friends and family, whether it's to your GP. If you were to go online and look at the NHS Choices, they have an online forum where people can get help and support and also Mind have a text line as well. The Samaritans are also brilliant on the end of the phone. I think for a lot of people it's starting that conversation starting to think about your mental health we spend such a long time hearing about everything we should do about our physical health but our mental health is very often a second priority and I think we need to try and bring it forward in people's minds so that they can start reflecting on how they're feeling coming up to Christmas and reaching out to people make a plan so that you're either on your own or not on your own but in a way or at a balance that suits you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you very much. And I think it, it's actually about normalising mental health or emo- emotional well-being is very key and is very important, especially over the festive period, but also trying to talk about it as much as you can, mm. um, at least so someone knows and someone is aware, and also to realise that you know, you're not on your own at all. Thank you very much. Now, what I would want to say is I urge everyone to ensure that they plan their holidays, certainly carefully and well. Working hard is important, but also talking about taking time to rest and recuperate but most importantly if you think you or someone you know need help during the festive period please make that contact and seek help advice and support thank you so much nina for coming in to speak to me thank you very much i do appreciate your feedback and your input during the show and thank you so much for listening in my name is fatima kamara your health and social care expert but also your health talk show host thank you so much until next time thank you very much You're listening to Health Talk with Fatima Kamara on Brooklyn's Radio. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not keep up to date with the sound of Surrey by listening live at brooklandsradio.co.uk or through our free mobile app.